Sunday's game for the Denver Broncos is massive, but Broncos country wants to know how big is it? How important is this game against the Texans? We'll dive deeper into that and more of Broncos country's questions in today's mailbag installment of Good Morning Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Welcome into a freshly brewed installment of GMB here on Mile High Sports YouTube page. You get us every single weekday, Monday through Friday, 9 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time. Mile High Sports is every team, every day. You want all your Colorado sports coverage? You get it here on MHS. You can also get our written work and daily columns at milehighsports.com where you'll get in-depth, up-to-the-minute coverage of your favorite Colorado sports teams. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. And we got a mailbag here today, Broncos country. Thank you so much for tuning in. And do us a favor, if you're here on YouTube for the first time, you love Colorado sports talk, you love the Devil Broncos, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on what we have going on here at Mile High Sports. But, folks, I mean, this is a, a pivotal time here for this Broncos football team. There's a lot going on here, and Broncos country sent in their mailbag questions to me at Cody at MileHighSports.com. So if you ever want to get involved in the mailbag every single week, you can just send me via email or via social media your question, and we will use it here on the show. So let's open up our handy-dandy mailbag here. First one comes in from Rylan. Rylan asked the question, do you think Samaje P. Ryan has become the team's running back two? It's a great question, right? Because at one point of the season on this very show, we talked about how Jaleel McLaughlin has become the running back two for the Broncos offense. But it seems like during this Broncos five-game win streak, that has kind of changed a little bit to Samaj P. Ryan. And I'm not sure exactly what the reason is. Jaleel McLaughlin hasn't had as much success, right, in the explosive run creation that we saw early on, which, I mean, I, I gosh, if that was going for Denver's offense, things would be even more electrifying. I think Denver would have more points offensively. But the run game hasn't gone as well for Jaleel as of late, but it has gone well for Samaj P. Ryan. And I would say maybe in Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns, I felt like Samaj P. Ryan really came out and established the fact that, hey, he is the number two guy here behind Javante Williams. I mean, right now, he's kind of got the hot hand. Let me pull up. I got it right here in terms of Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns. But you look at where Javante's at. Javante had 18 total carry attempts against the Browns for 65 yards. His longest run was a 15-yard run. He did have a big run down the right sideline that got called back to what I thought was not a very good holding call. The refs threw, I think, what was a bad flag against Cortland Sutton. But Samaj P. Ryan, I mean, just get this, okay? Seven carries, 55 yards, averaging 7.9 yards per carry, including a 24-yard scamper, a rushing touchdown, his first of the season here for the Broncos. And Denver's obviously, he had Denver's second rushing touchdown of the year. Russ had the third rushing touchdown of the year. But you look, look at that as well. I mean, he's even targeted out of the backfield one time, one catch for 11 yards, but I think what Sean Payton has told us is just that, okay, hey, in third down situations, two-minute drills, he's got a proven body of work that they're really comfortable with. And I think that's a big reason we've seen an elevated role for him. And he's good in pass protection. But I think with his recent success in the run game, I think that, yeah, I think it might be safe to say that Samaj P. Ryan is the Broncos' number two running back right now behind Javante. I would even say that he might have a little bit more of a hot hand right now than Javante. And that's nothing against Javante. It's just... Teams are trying to sell out against him a little bit. So that's a great question, Ryland. But I do think, yeah, I think Samaje at this point is the running back two for the team. He's been very consistent. He's been healthy, which is good for Denver. And I'm very curious to see what type of role he's going to have this Sunday 
against the Houston Texans? Definitely something to keep an eye on. I think that's a great question. Our next one is going to come in from Kyle. Kyle asked the questions, what have you seen from the Broncos offensive line during this win streak that stands out to you? Well, first off, I think health. Health has been the biggest key here for Denver's offensive line. They've had the same starting offensive lineup coming into week 13 that they had in week one. There hasn't been any changes in the offensive lineup, which has been good. Because I remember last year just watching how disastrous it was under Butch Berry, how disastrous it was under Nathaniel Hackett. By the time week 13 was coming around, the Broncos were already on their seventh or eighth different starting offensive lineup from the year. They didn't have the same offensive line that they had in week one, and they had injuries on the offensive line. But Denver, I think the biggest surprise to me is that the offensive line has been healthy all season long. To me, that's that's something that stands out, and I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough because we talk so much about here in football, what do you need? You need continuity. You need consistency. And I think that Denver's offensive line, like well, I think the first part of the season, obviously they've had their issues, right? I think penalties have been an issue for them a little bit this year, but they've they've had time to kind of get together. This is a brand new offensive scheme. It's a brand new blocking scheme that these guys learned all the way in training camp. So for me, I'm looking at every every little sign here, but I'm also going through and saying, okay, it wasn't where it needed to be in the first four weeks of the season, right? Okay, that's fine. That's normal. You expect it. It takes time. You're not just going to get it all installed and ready to, to rock and roll in training camp. You look at the really good offensive lines around the NFL, what have they had? They've had consistency. They've had continuity all across the board, more than just the season, right? So Denver is building toward that, um, but they've been good. Their communication's been good. Quinn Miners has been playing really good football. Ben Powers has been playing great. Lloyd Cushingberry is having a career year. While Mike McGlinchey has struggled with the penalties and things like that, he's playing pretty well. You know, I think that's the one thing that stood out to me early on. It was ugly for Mike McGlinchey, but I think he's really turned it around. Garrett Bowles is playing really good football as well. So what I've seen from the Broncos offensive line is just, hey, they're building toward consistency, which is the ultimate thing that you need to do uh, in today's game in the NFL, which is so hard because, I mean, they play in the trenches. Trench warfare, it's so physical. Guys get banged up. Guys get their foot stepped on. I mean, it's Playing offensive linemen is not easy. And so, you know, these guys have been battling through some things and, and they've had some bumps and bruises along the way, but it's never impacted their ability to be available on Sundays, which is the biggest thing there. So, Kyle, that is a great question there. Our next question is going to come in from Brandon. Brandon asked the question, what worries you the most about Sunday's matchup against the Houston Texans? Well, first off, I think the stakes are very high, right? Both teams sitting at a six and five record right now. Denver obviously needing to improve in the conference record category. They're three and four against AFC opponents. That's why they got teams above them right now who have similar, obviously, records in this standpoint. Um, this game against Houston is so big just because not only does Houston have a better conference record right now than Denver, but this is a tiebreaker scenario, right? There, you know, you have the Texans right now sitting at the eighth spot, the Broncos sitting at the ninth spot right now. You have to find a way here to go on the road. Look, it's your first of three straight road games. You have to go on the road, become road warriors, and you have to beat this Texans team because, look, as great of the story has been of C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, and his first season as the head coach, Denver has, in my opinion, the more experienced players, right? And I think they have the most to gain out of everything. I don't think anybody expected the Texans to make the playoffs this year. Everybody expected the Broncos to be a playoff team under Sean Payton. Obviously, they got off to the start that they did. But the C.J. Stroud is probably my biggest worry in this week's game against the Houston Texans because he is electrifying. I mean, this guy is playing really good football, 19 touchdowns to five interceptions. Russell Wilson has 20 touchdowns to four interceptions. 
I mean, CJ is electrifying. You know, if the pocket breaks down, he's able to extend plays outside with his legs. He's able to, you know, create opportunities, throw on the run. They scramble drill. They really excel at that. Um, Bobby Sloak, I think he's done a really tremendous job down there in Houston with him. And they have weapons. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Robert Woods, Damian Pierce healthy at the running back position now after missing some time due to an injury. So, I mean, they got all these different elements to them. And obviously, I think they have a solid offensive line, but they have a bunch of dudes on one-year contracts that, you know, they had to like, okay, hey, we're going to try to build something here. I don't know if they expected them to be where they're at right now, but man, they've been impressive. And so they're a dangerous team. And so if you can get a win against them, it puts the Broncos conference record at four and four, and then it gives them the tiebreaker over the Texans. Denver already owns the tiebreaker over the Buffalo Bills, who are right behind them at six and six. So for me, it's okay. Hey, the stakes are very high. Like that's what worries me about this game. Can you avoid maybe the low of, oh, hey, we got to go on the road. We're not, we're not at home. We're not in front of our crowd. Like, I mean, Denver's crowd has been fantastic during their win streak. But they've also gone on the road and they've beaten the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, that's a huge feat in and of itself. Can Denver continue to stack on that? That's the biggest question here about this game against the Houston Texans. But we're going to continue our mailbag series. We've got a couple more here to get through here on Broncos Country here on today's episode of GMB. Real quick, folks, let me tell you about our friends over there, Superbook Sports. When a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports, Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They will also give you two tickets to the game plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, Nuggets fans. Ryan Blackburn here, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast on Mile High Sports got the best Denver Nuggets coverage around, so make sure not to miss an episode and subscribe down below to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Nuggets off to a great start. Make sure not to miss a thing on Mile High Sports. Let's continue our mailbag series on Mile High Sports YouTube page. Just a reminder, milehighsports.com is your daily hub for all written content and columns leading you up to whatever tip-off, kickoff, whatever it may be, dropping of the puck. You get all that here, milehighsports.com. Some great questions sent in for this mailbag edition. I always appreciate your Broncos country taking time to come up with these questions, send them out to me. I love answering them here on the air. Love to interact as much as I can. Uh, our next one comes in from Jeff. Jeff asks the question, do you think the Broncos will make the playoffs? If you had to predict today, what would you say? This is a great question. Now, for me, it's, it, it's tough because I, I hate doing predictions. Like anyone that knows me, it's, I always feel like I, like why I'm not predicting something that you know is not here yet. But okay, let's say if I had to answer this question and based on the vibe that I've gotten, how I've seen the Broncos kind of transform things, I think that Denver, yes, I think Denver will make the playoffs. I think if they can win on Sunday against Houston, I think that'll help really solidify that hey, they're serious and they are going to make a strong push for that wild card playoff spot. There's still a chance they could win the division, but. The reality is the Kansas City Chiefs schedule is pretty dang easy to close out the year, so that's looking a little unlikely. So Denver's going to have to try to get into the wild card. Luckily, there's three spots versus two how it used to be. But yeah, I do think I, I do think that Denver will make the playoffs. And if you would ask me this six weeks ago, I said, no, they're not going to make the playoffs. Like, Are you kidding me? They lost four or five games. I do think Denver's room for error is very minimal here going forward. I don't think that they can afford to lose more than one more game this season. We'll have to see how things play out, but it's tough because, okay, hey, you have five, six games remaining. Five of those six games are against AFC opponents. 
Three of those five AFC opponents are AFC West divisional rivals. And so while the, the Raiders and the Chargers are behind Denver, the Raiders are a little bit closer to Denver than I think most people would like. Denver's going to have to take care of business. Like there's room for error, as I mentioned, because they kind of dug themselves into a little bit of a hole early on in the season. They don't have a lot of room to make as many mistakes in the latter half of the season, which is tough. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. But based on the trend, how they're playing defensively, special teams playing really well, the offense continuing to improve in what I believe they still haven't played their best football yet, which means it's not if, it's when they start playing their best football. I think Denver, yeah, I think Denver will make the playoffs, Jeff. I think that's a great question. And those are the reasons why I think that they will make the playoffs. Our final one comes in from Liv. Liv asks the question, why haven't we seen much of Jerry Judy this season? This is a great question. And to be honest with you, it's a little perplexing to me. I, I don't know if it's by design. I don't know if it's just a product of how things are going or how defenses are playing Denver. But I mean, you look at this past week against the Cleveland Browns. I mean, Jerry Judy in the passing game saw three total targets. He had two catches for 11 yards. There's plays where if you go back on the film, you see him coming open. But the reality is, okay, where's the pressure coming from? It's forcing Russ to extend. Like Russ had to run a few times and extend plays with his legs, which is great. It's great to be able to do that. But for, for a guy like Jerry Judy, who's a good route runner, who can get open, who knows how to attack the leverage of defensive backs, you know, I think we're all expecting more than just two catches for 11 yards, let alone more than just three targets per game. He had a little bit of a bigger game, I think over 50 yards receiving against the Minnesota Vikings. But Jerry, the guy that we saw last year, how dynamic he's been, how explosive he was, we haven't seen that this year. And that's, I don't think that's Jerry's fault. That's not Jerry's fault in any way, shape, or form. It's just the offensive formula has changed. They've become more of a running football team than a passing football team. But I still think that there's times where they can open it up to the passing game where Jerry Judy should become a target on some play-action looks. I mean, we're talking about, hey, get him on an out route. Get him on a slant. Get him on a deep drag if you can, or even not even a deep drag. Just get him on a drag at maybe five to seven yards and get the ball to him in space and then see what he can do. I mean, he can make guys miss. He's very elusive in that regard. So I have been a little perplexed about that. Part of me wonders is, okay, hey, teams are really trying to focus. Maybe teams are trying to focus too much on Jerry. We've seen Cortland Sutton coming up big and obviously having a huge year for the Broncos. The passing game for Denver hasn't really had any explosive numbers, which they haven't really needed it. To have that happen, I mean, it would be nice if Denver could have like an explosive passing game. Russ could throw for five touchdowns and Denver wins. But, I mean, Russ is playing efficient football. So he's not throwing for a lot of yards, but he's playing efficient. He's scoring touchdowns. The Broncos are winning. And you just want to see maybe Jerry get involved in that a little bit. I think this could be a very good week for Jerry to get involved into the game plan a little bit more than we've seen. It's the Broncos' first indoor game of the season. So it's a great question. I mean, it's, it, it's more of a byproduct of... I think how defenses are playing them, how the Broncos offensive game plan has changed and evolved. And I'm very curious, like as long as the Broncos are winning, I, I, part of me wonders, like, is Jerry Judy happy? Like, that's the thing. Like sometimes receivers, they want the ball and look, Jerry wants the ball. Jerry wants to make plays. He wants to help. He wants to contribute in the Broncos wins. Like, you know, I think every player feels that way, but I think as long as Denver's winning, I think things are going to be okay. If not, like if Denver was on a string of losing, then I think I'd be a little bit worried going forward here but maybe we'll see a jerry judy breakout game this week against the houston texans but broncos country thank you so much for all your mailbag questions thanks for sending them in cody at milehighsports.com if you ever have any questions you want to get them involved here on the show make sure you send them my way i appreciate you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to us to watch us make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel as well and check out our daily written work milehighsports.com we'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of gmb
What's up guys, Kim Becker here with Mile High Sports. Make sure you guys are following us on social media so that you never miss a Mile High Sports daily. Monday through Friday morning, we'll post a video hosted by me catching you up on everything you need to know when it comes to sports right here in the Mile High State. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, we're there and we've got you covered for everything Colorado sports.